This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. We want to hear from you. As a Daily Drive listener, your feedback is important to us. Please take our short survey about your listening preferences to help us improve your experience with automotive news podcasts. The survey will take about two minutes to complete. Just go to autonews.com slash podcast survey. Again, that's autonews.com slash podcast survey. We appreciate your help and look forward to hearing from you. Welcome to Daily Drive for Tuesday, July 25th, 2023. I'm Jake Neer in Detroit, in for Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, in a bit of a surprise, Chevy is bringing back the bolt. Meanwhile, GM's earnings surge in the second quarter, and Hyundai goes mobile to speed up its anti-theft program. Plus, we'll hear from Motional's Balaji Kanan about the state of the robo-taxi business in 2023. To me, success will be when we stop talking about engineering, when we start talking about operational efficiency and how you drive that out, because that's where it becomes now a business, and you're talking less about the viability of this as a business, but trying to make sure that we, we can generate revenue and, and be as efficient as we can. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. General Motors plans to build a next-generation Chevrolet Bolt electric vehicle based on the automaker's Ultium battery platform. GM CEO Mary Barra made the surprise announcement today during the company's second-quarter earnings call. We will keep the momentum going by delivering a new Bolt that delivers what customers have come to expect, which is great affordability, range, and technology. And we will execute it more quickly compared to an all-new program and with significantly lower engineering expense and capital investment by updating the vehicle with Ultium and Altify technologies and by applying our winning with simplicity discipline. Barra said the new Bolt would be brought to market on an accelerated timeline but did not discuss specifics. A spokesperson declined to say where the product would be built. The announcement comes just three months after GM said it would discontinue the current model Bolt EV and EUV at the end of this year. Earlier on that call, Barra said GM's second quarter net income jumped 52% to $2.6 billion. That's even after an almost $800 million charge related to 2021's Chevrolet Bolt recall. GM raised its full-year guidance for the second consecutive quarter, citing strong demand and disciplined pricing. Sounding bullish on the near future, GM also says it is ramping up cost-cutting efforts and now expects to slash $3 billion in fixed costs over the next two years. That's up from a planned $2 billion reduction. Second quarter adjusted earnings before interest and taxes rose 38% to $3.2 billion. Global revenue jumped 25% to almost $45 billion. Asbury Automotive's net income dropped 2.5% in Q2 to $196 million, and its revenue was down 5.3% to $3.7 billion. Asbury's second quarter earnings drew from fewer locations than a year earlier, including a Texas location the group sold in May. 
But the magnitude of declines reported Tuesday were smaller than Asbury experienced during the first quarter when net income fell 24 percent and revenue dropped 8.4 percent compared to the first quarter of 2022. And Hyundai wants to speed up distribution of a software patch that will protect its vehicles that have been targeted by thieves. The move follows a national social media-driven crime wave targeting Hyundai and Kia vehicles. The automaker is staging a mobile service center in Washington, D.C. this week at Robert F. Kennedy Memorial Stadium. It will be for owners of the affected vehicles residing within 25 miles of the event. According to company spokesperson Ira Gabriel, about 37,000 Hyundai owners were alerted via email about the opportunity. Gabriel said the clinic is the first in what could be a series of events and is a response to its dealer network being swamped with customers asking for the software update. And those are today's headlines. Coming up, we'll hear from Motional's Balaji Kanan about what it takes to run a robo-taxi business. That's next on Daily Drive. Your service check-in process sets the tone for your customer's entire visit. Do your customers wait longer than five minutes to check in for service? Are your advisors presenting upsells to every customer every time? How often is the opportunity for a trade appraisal missed? When your service drive gets busy, these inefficiencies directly impact revenue. Give your customers the option to handle the entire check-in process themselves, from appointment scheduling through final confirmation in under two minutes. Customers have the experience they want while selling themselves which means your advisors are freed up to focus on profit-producing activities. It's a win-win for CSI and your revenue. Introducing a smarter service lane, GoMoto is the self-service kiosk designed to grow your business. If you're ready to start increasing revenue, improving the customer experience, and maximizing service efficiency today, visit GoMoto.com. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jake Neer with Kellen Walker. Motional is a robo-taxi joint venture between Hyundai and auto supplier Aptiv. It intends to start commercial service in Las Vegas by the end of this year. If and when it does, it'll be the latest in a growing number of robo-taxi businesses popping up across the United States, but it's a bit different than well-known brands such as Cruise and Waymo. Motional Vice President of Autonomy, Balaji Kanan, recently joined our own Pete Bigelow on Shift, a podcast about mobility. Here's a piece of their conversation. Tell me more about that business side of Motional's operations. Uh, do you intend to run your own ride-hailing network or, or are you deploying Motional vehicles on the existing ride-hailing networks? Yeah. So on the business side, our approach is that we want to we want to leverage, we want to partner with existing forces in the ride hailing network, such as Uber and Lyft. We think they've had tons of experience. They've learned the, the good, the bad and the ugly of this in terms of being able to do it. They have an established customer base. They have, and so in order for us to try and compete that, that's not the focus of what we want to be able to do. We want to be able to build a self-driving car and, and Trust me, that's a difficult problem by itself. And I don't want to add to the sort of building a ride-hailing network and, and making sure we have enough uh, customer base and fight with the Ubers and the Lyfts. I want to add to my list of problems. And so we want to partner with them. Um, and we've had a really good partnership with them. We've had a partnership with Lyft for a fair amount of time now. Uh, I think it's about four plus five years, five odd years you know, from our Gen 1 type of cars. Uh, we've continued to operate a service with them in, in Vegas. We are partnering with Lyft, uh, Uber now as well. As I said, we have a 
um, uh, Uber Eats project going on in LA. We're, we're in discussion for additional things with them as well. So we think we can learn a lot from them. It's been very fruitful. They basically have been pretty open pretty with us and we've had a good partnership. We've been able to exchange information uh, back and forth. I was alluding to the example of when we heard feedback from them in terms of the customer not coming up to the vehicle. So we worked with them to try and, try and expand some of that stuff. So it's been really good from a business standpoint. I think that's the focus of, of where we are and where we want to go. Uh, from an, I think one of the things that I, I do think we take pride in is our operational efficiency too. Like we're in, we're in Vegas and we have a, um, we have a command center and we can basically have a fleet of vehicles that are operating there and we manage our uh, remote guidance or what we call RVA, remote vehicle assistance, from our centralized um, our fleet management center. And that's a key piece from a business and operational standpoint because, look, I'm a technologist, I'm an engineer, that's where I'm going to go. But ultimately, for this to be a viable business, once you solve the technology, then the operational problem becomes a key pa- factor for it, whether making sure it's efficient, making sure things are, are uh, observed, things are driving through, the vehicles have a high uptime and so on. And and typically the way you solve, a lot of a lot of folks, uh, you end up solving is you solve the engineering first and you come to the operations. What is what we did, and I think um, if, if I can pat myself in the back for a second, was we start, start, started looking at the problem space in parallel, ops and engineering at the same time. So we gained a lot of experience to it. That's also going to help us when we start scaling out. Whether we go from, let's say, five cars to 50 cars to 1,000 cars, it's going to allow us to scale that out because you exercise that muscle. You understand what needs to be done, both internally and also with your partners, such as Uber and Lyft, because they have to tie in all of their ecosystem all the way down to our operational vehicles, uptime matters, and so on and so forth. So I think those are going to be key areas that we have invested in, we will continue to invest in from a business standpoint. To me, success will be when we stop talking about engineering and we start talking about operational efficiency and how you drive that out because that's where it becomes now a business and you're talking less about the viability of this as a business, but trying to make sure that we we can generate revenue and, and be as efficient as we can. Balaji, tell me more about Motional's work with Uber Eats. What are you doing in a pilot project form with them now? And it is delivery part of your long-term business strategy. Yeah. Um, so we uh, we have a pilot project with Uber Eats in Los Angeles where we're, we're working. We started with one merch and we were delivering um, food to our end customers. Um, it's been fantastic. We've learned a lot from it. Um, I think I alluded to to this a little earlier where um, we're looking at the last mile problem. The customers basically have to come to the to the food as opposed to the food coming to them at the front door of it. It was an interesting learning experience to being able to handle that stuff. We've since expanded that to 20 plus merchants in LA. Uh, it's been very successful and it allows us to learn a lot from it. And, and, and to your second question, yes, while we're focusing on um, ride hailing as our primary for area from a business standpoint, longer term, we do believe um, goods delivery, uh, food or otherwise is going to be an extend natural extension. Um, and, and this allows us to learn about it, learn the nuances to it, the difference between the two situations and what investment that we need to do, both from a technology standpoint and operationally, for us to be able to, uh, to provide that service as well. In terms of that command center, I, I had the chance to, uh, to tour it maybe a few CESs ago, and it definitely stood out as, as perhaps the most sophisticated that I'd seen in the industry. Like, 
what all are you doing there? And in Vegas, is it is it tailored to Vegas only operations, or can you truly get a a global picture of of real time operations from that main command center? Yeah, so so Vegas is our is our is our primary office, and that's where you can you can see the big command center for us. Um, we have sub command centers, are smaller units operating in LA, but Vegas becomes our big hub. That's from there we operate our uh, our deployment mechanism comes through our centralized system, uh, which is called the command center. Um, we also do our RDA or the remote vehicle assist through that. So it becomes a central location for where for us to observe all the vehicles that are out in the public domain and for do any provide any kind of remote operations through there. Uh, the RCA support feeds through it. So it becomes like the central hub. Now, longer term projecting five, 10 years out when we when and this is gonna be international international type of a problem, right? And and you when you go out of US and you're looking at our next generation of vehicles and you go international. Then optimization is going to be a key issue because the network bandwidth and so on. So we may not have a single command center, uh, but I think it's probably going to be more regional in nature moving forward. But for now, Las Vegas allows us to kind of observe, monitor, and assist with vehicles in operation, not only for LV, but also LA and probably expanding it out to other places too. Really interesting to think about all the places uh, Motional has has vehicles on the road. Can you give us a rundown of of where you're testing, both yeah, so, and international? Yeah, so so for us, our operational cities are, are Las Vegas, obviously. We're in LA. Um, then we have primary development cities. I'm based out of Pittsburgh. We have we have cars over here on the road. Boston's our headquarters. Boston's another city that we have. We have cars on the road. Uh, Korea. We work with Hyundai. Obviously, we're a giant investment in Hyundai, so we do early testing before we take delivery of the vehicles. So we have a footprint in 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 um, South Korea as well, where we do where we do testing, and we have an office development office there as well. And then um, the legacy of the company is such that from the Newtonomy days, way back when, we have a Singapore footprint, and then we have an uh, we have a pretty large development office in in Singapore, and we do we have vehicles in the garage, and we do testing out there as well. So at some level, we have twenty four seven operations across the different coasts from uh, West Coast to East Coast to Singapore. And at times when we are working through it, we will do handoffs across the different things. It will start in the East Coast, go to the West Coast, and the West Coast will hand off to Singapore. And then by the time East Coast comes back in line, Singapore is handing off. So at times we'll do 24-7 kind of handoffs to try and maximize as much as we can get. But yeah, we got an international footprint, including Singapore and Korea. Balaji Kanan is Vice President of Autonomy at Motional. He spoke with our own Pete Bigelow on Shift, a podcast about mobility. You can hear their full conversation on Shift wherever you get your podcasts. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jake Neer, in for Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to automotive news journalists Michael Martinez, John Hutter, and Carly Schaffner for their reporting for today's podcast. You can get the latest news on tech and innovation, quarterly earnings results, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. 